Building a culture of cybersecurity in your business doesn't just happen. And when it doesn't happen, trouble is just a few clicks away. Today, we look at what you should be thinking about as a business leader when it comes to cybersecurity. That's next on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. I'm Marty Carpenter. Cybersecurity is an effort that requires more than just the talents of a dedicated IT staff. To be effective in protecting your data and your networks and keeping your business safe from hackers and cyber criminals, you have to develop a culture of cybersecurity. From the most entry-level employee all the way up to the CEO, everyone has to be committed to success when engaged in a battle where the opponent only has to be right or lucky just once. More and more cybersecurity is becoming a priority, not just for the C-suite, not just for the IT team, but for board members as well, where they used to trust the CEO and the IT guy and just leave them to their own devices. That's just not the case as much anymore. Forbes recently published a story looking into the challenges Zoom faced when it suddenly went from 10 million subscribers to 300 million subscribers in a five-month period, thanks to the pandemic. While Zoom is an interesting example of prioritizing security as you grow, there are lessons to be learned from its experience. In the same article, which we'll post on our website, Forbes lays out 10 privacy and cybersecurity governance, governance actions uh, boards should take, and we'd like to discuss a few of them today with our guest and friend of the pod, Anthony Boise from Sophos. Anthony, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks, Marty. Thanks for having me. And how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. I found this topic to be really interesting because I I serve on uh, the board of a number of organizations uh, from my alma mater, uh, one of the colleges here in Utah, Weber State University, uh, where from time to time we have to bring up things like how secure is our student data? What are we doing as far as protecting the data and protecting the the networks that we have here at the school? And, and they do such a great job. Uh, but I've been on other boards where it's not even on the radar. And so I get to see sort of from that perspective. And I thought this was really interesting to look into what these, uh, what, what are some recommendations for what board members and, and business leaders, whether you're on the staff side or the board side or on the IT team, some things you should be thinking about. And I mentioned this a little bit in the open, the idea of establishing a culture of cybersecurity. So I want to dive in on just a couple things. We won't go through all 10 on this list, but a couple that jumped out to me. Um, number two on the list was establish a culture of respect for privacy and security through top-level policies, actions, and enforcement. And to me, that what that really boils down to is you've got to do more than pay lip service to building this culture of cybersecurity. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. You know, um, I agree with you. You know, taking a look at uh, at this article, I also found it quite interesting and and very relevant. Uh, you know, Zoom has performed and done a phenomenal job over this past, you know, past couple of years and and even more so over these past couple of months, growing at the rate in which it has grown, right? Uh, quite phenomenal. That in itself brings challenges that that I personally probably wouldn't have or, or even uh, have known how to consider. So being able to have an article like this that is able to backtrack, able to look back and say, hey, you know, these are some of the growing pains, some of those challenges. And it's not just growing, like we're talking about exponential growth, right? I mean, going from just a, a few million to, you know, well, 10 million yeah. to 300 million. Yeah. That is growth at a scale that I think is unfathomable. 
Yeah, they had to triple in size and then grow at 10x after that. And so it's exactly, exactly right. Like if you don't have a few bumps in the road in that kind of growth, it's almost suspicious that you wouldn't have. So it's to be expected for sure. Yeah, exactly. And so so therefore having an article like this that's able to go back and, and uh, retrospectively look at this, right? And then say, hey, here are the top 10 kind of items that that an organization should be looking at. So now back to number two and specifically addressing your point about establishing that culture. And I think the key word is of respect for privacy and security. So the respect that needs to actually be there. I think a lot of cases, um, I know we've spoken about this before on the pod, like when we brought up topics and, and said, have we just become numb to you know, to this, is it just something we should be expecting now? And, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent, yes, we're going to continue to hear it. And because of the sheer nature and, and the amount of times that we're actually hearing it, I think we do become a little numb. And we also become, you know, as consumers of said services, we are quite trusting. So we, we're trusting that organizations are doing these things. Uh, but yet there may not actually be a respect internally. And I'm not saying that's the case for, for Zoom. And I don't believe the article is necessarily saying that's the case for Zoom. These are just some good practices, but without having the appropriate respect for privacy and security, I think your vision and your approach to actually delivering said product or technology is going to be done uh, with not all of the, um, you know, the, the appropriate considerations and uh, both for people and product uh, and, and therefore, um, you know, what can you enforce if you haven't even taken it into consideration? Yeah. I think there are a couple of other things listed in, in subsequent parts of that list, uh, this top 10 list, that kind of support that idea of building a culture of respect for privacy and security. Um, maybe the top part of that is to say, we're going to make this a priority and then not just make it lip service from from the C-suite to say, no, it really is a priority and we're going to double check on this and we're going to you know, reward people who do it well, and we're going to retrain people who don't do it well, and we're going to dismiss people who don't take it seriously. So the next thing on the list that they mentioned is to assign key roles and responsibilities for privacy and cybersecurity to senior management personnel. And I think that that just says you can't just sort of make this one department's problem. You have to have people who are specifically assigned to make this their priority. So I, I guess my question would be, um, how does that work in practicality from, from your experience and how beneficial is it to say uh, it's not just something we're going to talk about annually to check the box that we did it, but there's going to be someone who's actually responsible for this at the highest levels of an organization. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and I didn't want to in point number two, I didn't want to jump forward. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because point number three, by assigning those key roles and responsibilities, I really do feel that that shows a respect for that privacy and security. Right. Okay, right. so I, th- I really, like you said, it, it kind of builds off They that. go hand in hand. It, it, exactly right. And um, and so my experience, you know, prior to, and I, I've mentioned this before on the pod, and, and uh, you know, prior to coming over to Sophos, uh, I was with the Department of Technology Services and worked under Mike Hussey and, and Dave mm-hmm. Fletcher, friends of the pod. Um, friends of the pod, so, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, you know, we were very much so uh, involved in, in these types of processes. And so, you know, rest assured knowing that that is actually in place at the state, working on government systems, working across these departments, executive branch agencies. And we would, when working on a large project or working on a project that, that did span across agencies, we absolutely had that respect for 
um, that, that security and the privacy. And in doing so, we would have uh, the appropriate uh, governance boards or the appropriate boards where we involved the key players from these different organizations, knowing that we're working with their data or, sorry, their data. And, and in working for their, with their data, we understood that they have a responsibility because they themselves have a respect and, and also a responsibility to do for privacy and security for their uh, customers, for their citizens, for their, you know, whoever was um, being a consumer of their service. And so it was a key part and a key responsibility for us as DTS to be ensuring that we're meeting, um, you know, these responsibilities and, and um, being that it was the upper management uh, and the senior, senior management personnel that are on these governing boards and that are, um, you know, that are playing these key roles, we just were able to ensure that it was able to trickle down. Okay. So for those that were actually clicking and pressing and, and building and, and constructing, we were able to ensure that, that, the needs from on top were also able to go, and even the concerns from from below um, were able to come up to on top and be represented to the board. And so, I think it's actually it. You know, is it important? Absolutely. How important is it? I think it's absolutely key to ensure that you've got the the appropriate input, the appropriate participation there. Yeah. The next point that jumped out was me it was essentially taking that idea and then saying, how do you push that out through all levels of the organization? And frankly, beyond the walls of your organization, because there are, I, can't, I can't imagine that there are really that many companies operating today that don't have some type of relationship with contractors and vendors and so on. Sure. I mean, we, we all sort of have these, um, you know, if, if you picture business through much of the 20th century as being sort of these big fortress buildings, well, now they may still be in fortress buildings or glass buildings, but the walls are softer because data is coming in and out and we're sharing things to make ourselves more efficient and all the various reasons that we do that. So the, the next tip that they really had was issue a code of conduct to employees, contractors, vendors, business partners, make sure they understand how important it is to you not only to have uh, you know secure uh, that, that respect for privacy and security, but to be um, honest and transparent about the interactions. And I think that extends to even, Hey, we don't want anyone hiding when something goes wrong. We want to know when something goes wrong. We want people to be accountable for it, but we want to be able to fix it. We want to have that type of relationship. So uh, how, do you, how do you go about, um, how, how have you seen companies do this well, where they really set up this type of relationship with their vendors and all these other entities, organizations they are interacting with? Yeah, so um, the communication is key, right? And and uh, and I think that's probably what it's really highlighting here. It's you know asking for that honesty and transparency. Um, we're talking about a level of communication that, you know, it's it's. I think about my my children and and about my uh, you know my kids that when they do something wrong, instead of taking the action to try and hide it and hope that it doesn't come up, and then when you find out, it's like. If you had just told me this happened, there would have been less trouble if I knew beforehand. It had already happened, right? So it's it's not like it's not like we could have undone it, or you know, it, it's it's happened. For instance, let's just say that it's a, a plate or a favorite vase or something, or even vase um, dropping and breaking, right? Um, trying to quickly sweep it up and throw it in the in the in the in the garbage or in the trash. Um, the rubbish, the bin. In, in, the, in the rubbish, right? Yeah. In the rubbish. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, um, that isn't what actually, sure, that solved one problem, right? 
right? That, that, that cleaned up the mess, but, but there's actually a larger problem at play. And so anyway, uh, and I, and I highlight that, you know, I'm, I'm in the cybersecurity business and, um, and people in, in my trade, uh, in the cybersecurity world, uh, there are no shortages. I and mean, we know that there's a whole slew of individuals out there that are trying to circumvent security controls and trying to break through and trying to, you know, trying to try and find vulnerabilities and flaws and all that kind of good gear. So there is no security product out there that is short of, of these vulnerabilities. Some of those companies that have, have um, weathered the storm the best are the ones that have communicated the most about what's happening at the time of when it's happened, right? Informing, because uh, you are able to react as a customer, as an investor, as a whatever it may be, you are able to react to said news or said event uh, a lot more intelligently and, and more, uh, with uh, more capacity and more capability if you are aware and informed on what's actually going on. So I think here, you know, when you're working with your contractors, when you're working with your vendors and your business partners, you want to ensure, like it says here, to ensure that there's open communication, there's an honesty, a transparency, and just a, a really good cohesive relationship going on there. Don't you wish your kid's soccer team could have 12 goalies instead of one? Blocking malware, exploits, and ransomware is just like blocking a soccer ball. Sophos's Intercept X employs a comprehensive defense in-depth approach to endpoint protection rather than simply relying on one primary security technique. It's 12 goalies instead of one. Ranked number one in malware protection, exploit protection, security effectiveness, and total cost of ownership, Valcom and InterceptX will protect your most vital information. So get some more goalies. Visit vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. That's vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. Aren't you glad there isn't training for the fish to teach them how to avoid your hook and bait? Informational phishing is big business for hackers and they love that your end users don't know how to identify it. Attacks have shown record growth in recent years and a solid security awareness program is an integral part of any defense in-depth strategy. Lucky for you, Sophos has created a phishing attack simulation and training for your end users. Sophos Fish Threat educates and tests your end users through automated attack simulations, quality security awareness training, and actionable reporting metrics. So train your users how to avoid a hacker's hook and bait. Go to vlcmtech.com slash fish. That's vlcmtech.com slash phish. This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out, vlcmtech.com, to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end -end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com.
So continuing our discussion about building a culture that is respectful of privacy and security and sort of setting this culture of cybersecurity and pushing it throughout an organization. One of the points that I thought was really great toward the bottom of this top 10 list that uh, Forbes had put out that's sort of the basis for our discussion today, uh, require the escalation of serious privacy and security incidents to the senior management team. Um, I don't know how this has worked traditionally, but it, it seems to me that uh, like in most organizations, there, there are incidents that occur and you're always sort of solving today's problems and protecting against tomorrow's problems. But if something, if there is some type of incident, um, just having the right understanding that uh, these are, there, there may be some minor problems, but it's better for the senior management team to understand that they're happening, uh, whether they're you know, more minor in nature or more serious, that they get escalated, not necessarily to make them a bigger deal, but maybe it's even just a matter of helping there be an understanding between the senior team and the, the boots on the ground, so to speak, that are dealing with this right up front. What, what do you see, what, what realities make that something that needs to be explained in an organization? And, and how does including the senior team or the board make a positive difference? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, um, you know, if we relate it back to the, you know, to the previous point and the example that I gave there, uh, it's one thing to clean up that broken glass that's on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. And and to 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 throw it away and to to clean it up. That's there's one thing there, and and that's kind of the sheer nature of of an admin or or of somebody that's that's you know actually clicking those buttons and building those pieces and bringing it together is that you see a problem, you want to fix it, right? And and that is that's awesome, but when we start talking and bringing in privacy and security incidents, it's one thing to fix it. There's also, as it mentions here about, you know, integrated into that crisis communication plan, we need to communicate because we're talking about actual uh, real people's data information, personal information in a lot of cases. And so there's a real effect. There's a domino effect, right? That's, that's actually going to potentially affect little old me sitting somewhere around the globe that because we had overlooked something or because we had not even necessarily overlooked, but there was a vulnerability that we weren't aware of that someone found. Um, we, uh, I think we have a responsibility as an organization that I think we do to, to escalate or to, to make priority to communicate that up to our upper management so that they can appropriately uh, again, communicate and react and and pivot and yes, talk amongst themselves and create a, an appropriate action plan. But then also to be able to communicate that and and uh, and I mean, you know quite well regarding communication, right? So when when we start talking about you know something going on and just coming off the the recent campaign that you're on and and uh, communicating appropriately, you see you see challenges, you see you know problems out there, and being able to appropriately communicate those and, and effectively get that out to the citizens so that they're aware of said problem, right? Um, you have a responsibility and you've probably felt a responsibility uh, along with, you know, um, with the gov to, to be able to, to be able to share that info, right? So same kind of thing here is we're talking about people's data, people's personal information. And if there is a privacy and security concern, there's a responsibility to be able to share that. And I'll just add this from a leadership and management perspective, if you're sort of on, on that side of this interaction, you 
what you find, I think, is that your job really is to do uh, essentially two things. One, be be informed on how things are, are working and be prepared for what the upcoming challenges are. And, and two, ensure that every element of the organization has adequate resources to do what it is tasked with doing, you know, based on what your overall resources are. Obviously, you're managing your overall resources, but, uh, you know, it doesn't benefit anyone in an organization to think, uh, to, to just sort of assume that the IT guys have got it under control. If there are incidents, you need to be able to say, hey, we're about making sure you have the resources to handle those, and we're about making sure that we understand what's going on so that we can you know, anticipate what's, what may come up in the future, what's happening right now, and, and put ourselves in the best position. You don't want to establish a culture where nobody wants to come talk to the head of the organization because all they're going to do is get quote unquote in trouble or get some kind of pushback that doesn't help them resolve the situation. You've got to know that the guys on that team, uh, guys being you know gender neutral here, the guys and gals on that team that they want to um, do the very, they, they want to do the task. They want to make sure things are secure and operating uh, as they should. So when they come to you with a problem or a need that you've got a good relationship set up there where they know I'm here to support you in your part of making sure our our overall organization is successful. So I think you're right. There is a communication element to it where you've got to be on the same page. And, you know, that can be a little, there could be some inherent tension in that ongoing. Um, it, It probably is natural for it to be there just that first time to say, hey, here's where we are. Here's where we need to go. And that's why third party assessments and other things like that to say, exactly. here's, here's an outsider's view of where we are and what we need to fix. I can get us there. My team can get us there. Here are the resources that we need in order to make sure that happens. That takes us really into the last point that I wanted to, to bring up from this list, which is you got to have these, uh, they say, identify the key information flows required to keep the board informed. Uh, I would say that the same applies to the management team, but to the board as well. So you got to figure out the right balance, and that's as much probably a, a personality issue between uh, you know the CEO or president or C-suite members and the board members as far as here's when you need to know about something and here are the things that uh, we're just handling without necessarily making you aware of everything um, to, to the point where a board member becomes a staff member, essentially. Um, but I, I think that it's good to have the right information flow between um, – the security personnel between the senior management and leadership of an organization and the board and the board's job there from my perspective is really to, to have a little bit of that arm's length to just say, I, we see that these things are, are happening or that we've had these incidents. Let me ask a couple of questions that might help us better understand how we can address it ongoing. That to me is where the key, where that information needs to flow all the way from one end to the other and build that relationship of trust. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, um, back to some of the questions on, you know, my, my experience and, and what I've kind of come across and seen when I was at the state of Utah, um, you know, being on being on a project there, we would assign a, a networking person, you know, someone that's, that's intimately uh, knowledgeable about, about the networking environment for the state of Utah. Uh, we would have a, a hosting person, so somebody over the servers and um, and you know sort of that information management types type, type uh, uh, stuff, and then uh, we would also have a security person assigned to it. We would have a desktop person assigned to it. Again, taking into consideration uh, all of the the key 
uh, attributes and, and involvement uh, that we have there. And, and each of those individuals, they would roll up to a PM, right? A, a, a project, project or, or yep, yep, a project manager or even potentially or, program. Or but prime minister in... Uh, <laughs> Let me do a little English to the King's English translation for you. <laughs> or we would even have a project manager. Pro- project and, manager. Very yes, well. that's right. Brilliant. And, uh, brilliant. Yes. Smashing. Smashing. And, uh, and so with that, uh, um, but then they would also have, you know, their direct managers, right? And then the information from the networking, from the security, from the hosting and from the desktop. Uh, and then also even the PM, they have their managers that they report to who have their managers that they report to. And they actually now come and represent and speak to and, and uh, even somewhat oversight on that board, right? So it would, it would all roll up from the PM. And, and so anyway, there's multiple eyes on it, multiple input. And it's not too make the process cumbersome. It's not to, uh, to delay the process. It is to ensure that we have the appropriate, and I think this is where that respect comes in that we spoke about earlier, is that it, it's to display the appropriate uh, level of visibility, oversight, uh, um, input, and even uh, being that it's upper management, having the ability to pivot where necessary to assign resources as appropriate but ensuring the whole time that we've got a focus on the security and privacy uh, to ensure that, you know, citizen data in, in that case, or even, um, you know, user data is kept safe and secure. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support.